0: this is Jocko podcast number 197 with Andrew Paul and me Jocko Willink good evening Andrew good evening for those of you that don't know Andrew Andrew was one of my brothers from task unit bruiser he's now with us at echelon front and if you haven't heard podcast number 42 that's when Andrew came on and talked about his experiences but we're not really Interviewing Andrew today. He's just filling in for echo Charles Who's on vacation? again vacation, yeah So that's why Andrew's here. So I have someone to talk to Otherwise, it gets lonely in the podcast room All right You've heard me say before if you know the way broadly you see it in all things that's what a little quote from Musashi but beyond that when you pull the thread on things when you dig down and you dig in you find that things are are not just similar they're actually connected there's a thread that runs through time and through history and there's a thread that runs through knowledge knowledge itself and when you start connecting things you understand them better so there's some I see them all the time. In About Face, my favorite book. Colonel David Hackworth talks about one of his mentors, the guy he served with, a guy named Glover Johns, who was a officer in the Army, who wrote a book that we covered on this podcast called The Clay Pigeons of St. Lowe. How, how how crazy is that connection? I had John Stryker Meyer on. And he, when, when he was on... In one of his books, he was talking about Eldon Bargewell, a SOG operator that actually was a mentor to one of my mentors in the SEAL teams. to Connection. How crazy is that? What about the fact that I read about and admired Dick Winters, commander of the second of the 506, the band of brothers in Europe? And then. In Ramadi, we worked with the first of the 506th. So these connections, they're just everywhere. They're just everywhere you look. Things are connected. Now, one of my favorite old field manuals is called FM 100 TAC 5, Field Service Regulations. It was issued by the Department of War on May 22nd, 1941. And it's an awesome manual all kinds of information. And I'm going to cover it on the podcast. But the thing is, the FM 100 TAC 5 is not the most original document that I've ever seen. And I've talked about the roots of maneuver warfare. In fact, we covered a book called Maneuver Warfare. And the influence of the Prussian armies defeated the Battle of Jena. You got General Scharnhorst and his influence on the Prussian military and thereby the German military. Well, what's interesting is FM 100 TAC-5. Again, this is an American field service regulations, an American field manual. It was so plagiarized. It, it completely plagiarized from another document. And this document is called Truppenführung, which is my attempt at German. Truppenführung, which basically translates to leading troops. And it was first published in 1933. So we're talking about Nazi Germany. And it was prepared by by a, a group of people, a group of military men. But the leader of that group of military men was a guy named Colonel General Ludwig Beck. Now, Nazis obviously are a scourge to humanity. But what's interesting is this guy, General Beck, was not a fan of the Nazis. He wasn't really a fan of Hitler. In fact, he was eventually executed by the Nazis because he's one of the guys that coordinated and tried to Assassinate Hitler. He's one of those guys and they figured it out and they assassinated him. So He had some good character And he had an outstanding military sense he was educated kind of like the traditional Prussian military education served as a staff officer in World War one He was he he objected staunchly to the the Offense of Germany starting World War II. He did not want to go and fight. He realized that it was going to be a problem And again, he resigned in protest actually he resigned in protest and he tried to get a bunch of other people to resign and You know, they kind of covered it up and made him walk away Then like I said eventually he tried to kill Hitler. He tried to plot to kill Hitler and it and I think it was Rommel Rommel was saying cause Rommel also participated in the attempted assassination of of Hitler, which is why he got killed. We'll go into that someday on the podcast. I'm sure they came to him and said, Hey, uh, you can come with us now and you'll die a hero. Well you have to kill yourself, but you know, we won't say anything. Or we're gonna send you to court and make you a you know, uh uh a public scapegoat for everything that's going wrong in Germany and he chose the former and went out in the woods, said goodbye to his family, went out in the woods and killed himself. That's, that's Rommel. So Beck was executed. Um, but like I said, his character obviously was a little bit, you know, he had some some good character traits, stood up for what he believed in. And the fact that this book, Troopenführung, the fact that this book, is has been so widely copied the americans use something based on it. the brits use something based the germans still use something based on it really kind of reveals his leadership knowledge so with that we'll go to the book the book trooping am i getting better at saying that
1: it sounds good to me
0: trooping for all right kicks off with the introduction the introduction starts with The conduct of war is an art, depending upon free, creative activity, scientifically grounded. Is that the way you think of it? (laughs) I love that definition. Out of the gate. War is art, depending on free, creative activity, scientifically grounded. It makes the highest demands on the personality. Boom. It makes, that makes complete sense to me. Actually, It really does that. I I think the first time I said that was with Tim Ferriss at some point. And I said, uh, I said, war is an exercise in creativity. That's what I said. And here you have where I subconsciously or consciously stole that from.
1: Or just found that to be true. Yes. Or just found that because so many people say, oh, well, you know, you get to be a robot to be a soldier. It's actually not not true.
0: You will, you will be destroyed. Next, the conduct of war is based on continuous development. Oh, check. New means of warfare call forth ever-changing employment. Their use must be anticipated. Their influence must be correctly estimated and quickly utilized. Situations in war are of unlimited variety. They change often and suddenly and only rarely are from the first discernible incalculable elements are often of great influence. The independent will of the enemy is pitted against ours. The independent will of the enemy is pitted against ours. Friction and mistakes are of everyday occurrence. So this guy is out of the gate. You know, he, he's, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Every one of these things, just nails it. But what's always interesting, of course, is that He's talking about war, but guess what? It applies to everything you do in life. Because guess what? Everything in life is gonna change. It's unlimited variety. It's a test of wills. There's friction and mistakes that occur every day, no matter what you're doing. in your business, with your family, no matter what you're doing, you are, you are going to experience this. The teaching of the conduct of war cannot be concentrated exhaustively in regulations. <laughs> the principles so enunciated must be employed dependent upon the situation so exhaustively you cannot you cannot focus exhaustively on regulations which again as you just pointed out Andrew though that's what people think that oh you're in the military you just follow orders no you have to be able to think in fact if all you do is follow the regulations, you're wrong. Simplicity of conduct. Mm-hmm. Simple. <laughs> simple. Logically carried through will most surely attain the objective. Yes. War is the severest test of spiritual and bodily strength. In war, character outweighs intellect. Mm-hmm. Many stand forth on the field of battle who in peace would remain unnoticed. That's an interesting. That's, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that
1: coming yeah. in
0: this intro. That's just, I think what he's saying is that that person with the strong will, that person with the strong character, hey man, uh, you can be a really smart person
1: and be mentally weak. Agreed. all day long agreed discipline
0: yes so you can be super smart and when things get crazy you're shriveling up you're thinking too much right you're shriveling up in the corner scared of what might happen where you if you're just a a dude that has strong character guess what you can step up and win
1: mm-hmm. well and how about when if you can know all the right things to do but if you lack the fortitude and mm-hmm. discipline to, to do it. Yes. You're, it does like how many <laughs> doctors know all the right things about health and yet maybe are not in great shape. So they know the things to do, but yeah. don't do them. The so same, same kind of thing.
0: Do, maybe you don't see this very often anymore, but like doctors that smoke. Oh. Well, now I guess you just get doctors that eat crap. Right. 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 Horrible. Right. So yes, same thing. So that, that strength of character doesn't matter you can overwhelm the super <laughs> smart dude over in the corner. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Armies as well as lesser units demand lead. And by the way, if you can tell, my reading is kind of stilted, you know, because it's translation. So there's some weird words, some weird orders of words that don't quite flow, which is why I was gonna read the, the American manual, 100 tack five first. But no, I decided to do this one first because it's more challenging.
1: Well, it's funny, though. I when As you've been reading this already, I've been thinking, wow, this is so concisely written. And the words are so carefully chosen. Yeah. And then I thought, wait, this is – was this – no, it wasn't written in no. English. It was written in German, yet it's translated so well. Yeah, the American
0: one, I'm going to do that one probably next. But it's, it's even more, like, to the point. Mm. So – but you gotta, know where the, you gotta know where the connections come from.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree, keep, keep, going back, keep going back, yeah. keep
0: going, So continuing on, armies as well as lesser units demand of leaders good judgment. So here's what leaders need, good judgment, clear thinking and far seeing, leaders with independence and decisive resolution, leaders with perseverance and energy, leaders not emotionally moved by the varying fortunes of war, leaders with a high sense of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> yes, Is it's not everything I talk about That's all right. the time. Oh,
1: decentralized command yeah, here. Yeah, decentralized
0: yeah. command. Oh, high sense of responsibility. I think we might call that extreme ownership. Right. De- uh, unemotionally moved, not emotionally moved by the varying fortunes of war. Detached. Detach. <laughs> so yeah, this this is just epic. It's great. The officer is a leader and a teacher. Besides his knowledge of men and his sense of justice must be distinguished by his superior knowledge and experience, his earnestness, his earnestness, his self-control and high courage. I mean, it's just so awesome. So legit. And it's funny because a lot of times people, you know, what's, what's, you know, they ask this question almost like a rhetorical question, like, but what is a leader? You know, but what really is leader? There you go. Yeah, that's it. We just read it. So listen to that. Check those things in the mirror when you're trying to be a leader, you know? Check and see if you're emotionally detached. Check and see if you're earnest. Boom, earnest. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Check your self-control. Check your knowledge, check your experience, all those things. Continuing on, the example and personal conduct of officers and non-commissioned officers are of decisive influence on the troops. Wow. The officer who in the face of the enemy is cold-blooded, decisive, and courageous inspires his troops onward. The officer must likewise find the way to the hearts of his subordinates and gain their trust through the, an understanding of their feelings and thoughts and through never ceasing care of their
1: needs. I mean, relationships, how much do we talk on this, right? And yep. there's this dichotomy, dichotomy. between, 100%. I mean, detach emotionally, but not unemotional. You have to care. They have to know that you care. I mean, yeah. So ridiculous. So
0: ridiculously incredible that I guess it's not that ridiculously Incredible. It's like, Oh, you put a guy in 2000 and whatever into a combat scenario where he's got to lead troops in a tough situation. If they're successful at it, they're going to come to the same conclusions that someone did in World War I, which is where this guy was coming this to This is 80,
1: 90 years ago that this yep. was written, right? And, well, here's the thing. People have been fundamentally the same yes. for 5,000 years. Yes. These are fundamentally true yes. about human nature. Yes.
0: <clears throat> but never ceasing to care for their needs. When I had Muk- on General Mukuyama, He he's the he's the guy that used that word where I was like, yes, he was one of Hackworth's company commanders in Vietnam, and he was just, you know, I was saying this and I was saying that. He's like, yeah, you got to care for your men, and I'm like, check. And that's what he was talking about. Hackworth once again, Hackworth, known as this you know badass, hard ass guy, and he he just Hackworth cared about them more than anything. Yeah. Mutual trust is the surest basis of discipline in necessity and danger. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I've been trying to explain to people for a couple of years now, is that, is that the, the word accountability, um, I only have to hold someone accountable if, they don't have, if we don't have that mutual trust where they understand where I'm coming from and they just go, oh, you want the weapons clean? Cool, they'll be clean. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go and inspect the weapons. Right. There's a mutual trust there and in that trust is discipline in all situations every leader must exert without evasion of re- of responsibility his whole personality willing and joyful acceptance of responsibility is the distinguishing characteristic of leadership <laughs> <laughs> this speaking of plagiarism yeah i just plagiarized yeah. this whole thing i guess right yeah well This does not mean that the subordinate should seek an arbitrary decision without proper consideration of the whole, or that he should not obey orders precisely, or that he should let his feeling of the greater knowledge take precedence over obedience. Independence of action should never be based upon contrariness. Independence of action properly used is often the basis of great success. So... That's why you have to understand what the commander's intent is because you got to be support. When you make these decisions that you're making as a subordinate, you got to make sure that they're in line, that they're not contrary to what's
1: going on. But, you know, he just touched on something real briefly about it, this contrarian mindset. There mm-hmm. are there are people who just walk around with a contrarian mindset and it doesn't matter what gets said. Like they are always going to be like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, what, yeah, you yeah. know, and. And sometimes that other, that outside thought is is a good angle to think about. Mm -hmm. But you, but he just said, he goes real quick. He just goes, but you can't just be independent for the sake of being a contrarian or however he just said that.
0: That contrarian mindset, which as you know, I, I mean, I have an open mind and I definitely try and think about things from a different angle, but you're right. People that are just being contrarian because they just enjoy the friction of, of arguing with people. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big supporter of that. And they end up, having no influence because, because everybody just oh you you're if you they're crying wolf basically right, right. everything they just disagree with everything Every so guess yeah. what? Yeah. In spite of technique the worth of men is the decisive factor it's significant is increased in group combat. So the way they translate it in the American one I think they say the value the, I think they might even call it the combat value, meaning basically, are the dudes hard?
1: Like, are the dudes <laughs> right. hard?
0: That's what yeah. they're talking about here. The worth, the worth of men is the decisive factor. This is an interesting translation here. The emptiness of the battlefield demands independently thinking and acting fighters who, considering each situation, are dominated by conviction, boldly and decisively to act and determined to arrive at success. So the emptiness of the battlefield in the American translation they talk about because modern warfare demands that we be separate from each other like as you and I know if you and I are on patrol we're not close to each other you know we're dispersed mm-hmm. and we're going to spread out so that we're not going to get killed by one machine gun round or one mortar round yep. so because of that distance that's what they're talking about when he talks about the emptiness so because of that emptiness on the battlefield you have to have independent think independently thinking and acting fighters Right, because I'm not going to be there to tell you what to do. You're not going to be there to tell your guys what to do. They're going to have to independently act. That's the way it's got to be. That's something that we call decentralized command. Being accustomed to physical accomplishments, lack of consideration of self, willpower, self-confidence, and courage qualify a man to master the most difficult situations. There you go. There you go. Let's work on that. Physical accomplishments, what does that mean? Do athletic things. Right, you have to be in shape. Lack of consideration of self, boom. You're not important. Willpower, yes. Discipline. (laughs) Self-confidence and courage, qualified men to master the most difficult situations. The worth of leaders and men determined the battle worth of the troops, which is supplemented by the possession, care, and maintenance of arms and equipment. Superior battle worth can equalize numerical inferiority. So if you're just hardcore fighters, it doesn't matter right. how many people the enemies got. Because we're going to get some. That's right. The higher the battle worth, the more vigorous and versatile can war be executed. Superior leadership and tr- superior troop battle readiness are reliable portents of victory. The leaders must live with their troops, participate in their dangers, their wants, their joys, their sorrows. Only in this way can they estimate the battle
1: worth and the requirements of the troops. Don't be sitting around in the Ivy Tower. It's interesting, though, because we do have a thing in this military about the separation to a certain degree, right? This is saying... And so there's going to be a balance there too, right? I mean, yeah. you, but you can't be in the ivory tower and totally disassociate. Nope. People are like, "Well, who's that guy? Nope. I just get orders from that guy."
0: Battlefield aloofness, mm-hmm. you know? You got to actually get out of the Humvee and go see what's going on. That's what you got to yeah. do. Yeah. No, nope. yeah. Man is not responsible for himself alone, but also for his comrades. He who can do more who has greater capacity of accomplishment must instruct the inexperienced and weaker. From such conduct, the feeling of real comradeship develops, which is just as important between the leaders and the men as between the men themselves. Troops only superficially and not through long training and experience welded together more easily fail under severe conditions and unexpected crisis. So if you're only superficially and you haven't gone through long training and you haven't been welded together, when the hard times come, you ain't going to make it. And that's really when people ask me about, you know, uh, how do you build a team and how do you develop the bonds in a team? You do hard stuff together. That's right. You do hard stuff. And when we work with companies now, companies that made it through the downturn of 2007, 2008, because a lot of companies didn't make it, but the companies that they always – refer back to those experiences like you know that's what bonded them together right same thing with the military you know you go through boot camp what is that it's a hard experience you bond with all these people mm-hmm. and you know when you meet someone else in the military they went through at a minimum they went through boot camp or officer candidate school or whatever some sort of hard kind of indoctrination then you go to airborne school a little thing where you're all going to overcome your fears of jumping out of airplanes or whatever then you go to some kind of special operations school. Same thing. You're just, you're just putting people through harder and harder things to get them tighter and tighter and more and more bonded together. So they can overcome these adversities when they come their way. Therefore, before the outbreak of war, the development and maintenance of steadiness and discipline in the troops as well as their training is of decisive importance. Every commander is enjoined immediately to intervene with all powers at his disposal against any relaxation of discipline, against excesses, plundering, panic, and other damaging influence. You gotta get in the game, see that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> discipline is fundamental in an army. It's strict maintenance a benefit to all no big deal just discipline
1: so so it's interesting it's touched on a few things here which i think you know we get that cuz it's military makes total sense and and it, talk about it when you want but there's you know people i think struggle with how do you do that in business today oh you know hr and how do i get involved like, you, you have to still find a way to do that appropriately because
0: well, HR doesn't have anything to do with having discipline, process, procedure, you know.
1: No, no, no. I'm talking about getting in and knowing what's going on with your people and in their life and, and doing hard things together, you know, because so I think a lot of people are like, well, you got to show up on time, do this part of your job. It's like, well, how do you, how do you actually deepen those bonds in a company? Yeah. Well, you've got to find ways to put people through difficult things together, through training, find events to do that builds that camaraderie, that gets them through a hard time, that strengthens the bonds of those relationships. I see
0: good companies, good leaders do it in companies where they just set really tough goals that are very hard but achievable, whether it's a production goal, whether it's a sales goal, whether it's a project goal, and people have to really turn and burn to get it done. Yeah, And when they get it done, they, they have, they're forced to work hard together, they're forced to go to the extreme a little bit, to work extra hours, to right. figure things out, to strengthen their relationships, and when they get done, everyone, you know, and it's stressful, and then they get done and everyone's kind of holding their head up a little bit higher. That's right. And they're a little bit tighter. So it's not. Even, it doesn't even necessarily have to be that you have to allocate separate training to do this. You go, hey guys, here's this project. It's due in 30 days we're gonna deliver it in 24 days i ran the numbers i looked at the schedule we can do it who's in and everyone goes yeah we're in yep. and then everyone yep. buckles down and they over they they achieve something that's what they do so that's what that's how you that's how you b- bring that build that bond between people and strengthen teams by doing hard stuff set goals on normal things because think about it when i come in and go Hey, guys, we got this project due. It's due in 30 days. Could take a little bit longer, though. I don't know. Everyone, who who gets fired up to hear that?
1: Right? No (laughs) one.
0: No one. one Who goes, oh, cool, I'm going to take an extra half hour for lunch every day. If that's, no. People don't even want to do that. Like, people might think they want to do that. People might think they want to do that, but they don't want to do that. No. They don't want to do that. They don't want to do that.
1: They want to get after it. And that's our job as leaders is to set that bar and yep. to set it even a little bit higher and, and then inspire and encourage and bring everybody along to try and get to that next level further than what they, th- wait, wait, oh, 24 days. Yeah. All right. Okay, yeah. boss. Well, what am I going right. to do? Yeah. Yeah. What do I have okay. to adjust here? Wait yep. a second. You really yep.
0: think this is possible? Yep. Yes, I do. Yep. And you know what? We're going to make the whole world. We're going to make everyone at this company look at us and say, dang, they did that in 24 days. That's right. And guess what some other team is going to do? They're going to know we can do it in 24. Three. That's, that's what my right. team would be doing yeah <laughs> i know i know and then we get some good right. competition going so that's awesome that's what you have to do that's how you build teams stress builds teams now if you have a team that's slightly fractured guess what that stress will do break it apart
1: yeah it's got to find those weaknesses yes that's right
0: <laughs> so there's a balance oh there's also a balance between hey you can set goals hey there's a project that's due in 30 days we're gonna do it in 15 it's unrealistic, everyone just looks at it and goes, yeah, Jocko's an idiot, he's in the ivory tower, doesn't even know what it takes to get this done. So, balance, balance there 100%. (sighs) Continuing on, back to the book. The strength of the troops must be able to meet the highest demands in decisive moments. He who unnecessarily fatigues the troops jeopardizes success. Oh wow, there we go. The strength employed in battle must stand in proportion to the objective desired. Unreli- unreliable demands prejudice the trust in the leaders and shake the spirit of the troops. Again, this is a cry wolf situation. We gotta get this done in fifteen days. It's like, and that's my, you know, the first time everyone goes, okay, and maybe we get it done in fifteen days, and then people look up, well, what are we doing for the next fifteen days? We're gonna, I'm, we're gonna do more. We're gonna, you know, and you eventually just burn everyone out, right? So there's a balance to that. Back to the book. From the youngest soldier on up, the employment of every spiritual and bodily power is demanded to the utmost. Only in such conduct is the full power of accomplishments of the troops achieved. So do men develop and maintain their courage and powers of decision in hours of stress and carry forward with them to to greater deeds their weaker comrades, so mm-hmm. you can actually pass on your strength to the people around you in moments of stress. Absolutely, if you're strong. Does that, you know, like when people quit in buds? I got, I, I like took their um, power. It's so you know funny what I mean? you say right? that,
1: man. I can't. I was literally about. But some to people, say, some
0: people goes the other way, right? Some people they see someone quit and they're like, oh, dude, if he's quitting, I'm quitting. That's I can't
1: even relate. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I saw it. I saw it happen, and and not from some dude. I'm not like some big, you know. I'm this is not from some egotistical perspective. I I say I can't relate. I just I'm not wired like that. I I'm wired like call it corny, but you know, Highlander. Like you know how he would absorb like the strength of like that's (laughs) (laughs) kind of, but like the you know when a guy would quit, I somehow I felt like I absorbed his what was left of yeah. his power. And it actually, it, more like it inspired me, it, it inspired me to keep going. The fact that I could keep going and that guy couldn't, it just, I was like, okay, you know? I mean, it gave me more purpose. Even. Yeah.
0: That's why you just gotta stay hard, man. <laughs> you know, people are starting to, cause you're, you're, if other people start to see you like cracking and they're your troops, they're gonna be like, oh no. Right. This is a bad sign. Yeah, Jocko's, yeah, it's, Jocko's it's, breaking down. This is not good. Oh,
1: yeah. We, yeah, because we also are like, well, that will never happen with Jocko. So Jocko, don't ever do that. <laughs> no, don't worry. If you took a knee, we, would, we wouldn't let you. Or we would just step in for you. Yeah. But I don't see that happening.
0: Not happening. Here, this is what you, I was actually gonna jump right here because when we started this thing off, you, you talked about this a little bit. The first demand in war is decisive action. So like you were saying like, hey, you can be the smartest person with a great plan, but if you can't do it, if you can't act on it, everyone, the highest commander and most junior soldier must be aware that omissions and neglects incriminate him more severely than the mistake of choice. So if you decide not to act, you are a worse criminal yes, in the world I agree. than someone that just makes a bad, des-
1: bad judgment but moves. I just disappeared for a second back to ramadi and and thought of those exact that exactly happening like in real life like in those moments when there is things going on you, you act and you can maneuver and aggressively solve a problem even if you make a small mistake mm-hmm. it's it's the default aggressive yes. it's right it's the complacency yes. Well, i sit back and articulate <laughs> ah, no i just steamrolled yes you. You've got to make a call. Now,
0: obviously, I just hate having to point this stuff out all the time, but it's the truth. If you just jump and make rash decisions without thinking about them, that's also stupid. You have to let things develop. But this idea of inaction, I mean, it is the worst. That's why, what, what do people say about inaction is a decision? So like, no decision is a bad decision, right? No yeah. decision is the worst decision.
1: No decision is a decision, first of all. Yeah. No yeah. decision is a decision. And it it might be the worst decision. Sometimes no decision while I watch things develop might yep. be the right call. Yep. But let's be clear, no decision is a decision.
0: What I've been trying to teach people lately is like a standard operating procedure for when you don't know what to do. Here's the standard operating procedure for when you don't know what to do. You look at what the situation you take you detach, you take a step back, you look at what's unfolding, then you make the smallest decision in the area that you guess is the right direction to move and then you assess what that did so you don't just jump off and flank left because you thought that was the right call no you go okay hey guys start pushing left okay so they start moving a little bit do they meet major resistance no okay cool continue with a flank you don't just go flank left now they run over there now they're getting flanked and it's a bad situation so that's the thing you you make a small decision the smallest possible decision that you can, but you make a decision. You start moving in the direction that you think is correct. Assess.
1: Yes. Move. Yes. Assess. Assess, move. move. Yeah, you get in an yeah. OODA
0: loop is what you're gonna That's do. Right. You're gonna end up in a little OODA loop. But people get afraid of making a big decision. Now, sometimes you have to make a big, bold decision, of course, but people get afraid of making, they, they can't see, they only wanna go 100% in. Right. They don't see that they can go 8% you can yes, go so. 8% in. Is at the last muster so I think it was at the last muster. Someone asked me something about this but you know when you say hey we want to go explore this new market area mm-hmm. let's let's buy 3 buildings in that market area. And see where it happens. No, that's not what you do. First, you do market research. Then maybe you put a couple of kiosks up on the right. street corner or and see if some, there's any interest. Least some, yeah. some space. <laughs> right. Then maybe you lease some space. You know, like that's what you do. That's the kind of mentality you can have. You don't need to just be paralyzed by the fact that it's this giant, you break it down into some smaller decisions. Iterative decision making is what I call it.
1: And to be clear, this is in the I don't know what to do right yes. now. Yes. I, I'm in an unknown position, right? I mean, because. You know, we're not talking about sheepishly going in directions here. We're See, talking about I yes. don't know what to do here. So I will go in the direction that I believe to be the best, but I'm gonna take as small a decision as I can. Yes. I don't want to take too much ground in the right-cause it could be the wrong direction. Could be the wrong, so wrong I'm direction. Gonna, I'm gonna go the direction that I think is right, but in in the smallest of a decision that I can make in that direction, and then I'm gonna reassess. Yes.
0: And guess what? If it's the wrong decision, now you know that. If it's the wrong direction, you just you hit you just, a wall there. Now you just figured that out. Where when you made no decision, you still you don't you still know which way to go. That's right. You go 360 degrees. So when I say, hey, that's we're right. gonna go 90 degrees, cool. We take a step and we realize there's massive resistance there. Cool. We're
1: gonna go 180 degrees. Oh, okay, right on. You, you know what's a you know a really good like modern day example of that? What? you ever been sitting like using your map like? like Google maps or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you're not moving in a direction, it sometimes doesn't know which direction you're going in. Oh, the so little arrow just kind of rotates. Spins, right. <laughs> it's like I step out of a hotel. And I'm like, which way am I supposed to go here? Dang it! This thing is doesn't even know which way. So all right, you know what? I think it's that direction is where I'm supposed to go. So I start walking. Yeah. As soon as I take ten steps, yeah. the map, the, the arrow orients itself, and it's like, yep, you're going the right way. Sometimes I don't actually. just yeah. go, like, oh no, you went the wrong way, idiot. Yeah. I'm like, oh okay, cool. I'll turn around and go yeah. back the other way. Or
0: you could have stood there in the door of the hotel, blocking the blocking the traffic, and staring at that compass ro- rotating and in never circles. go anywhere. That is exactly what happens. Yeah. And so that's why you you make a small decision. You didn't you didn't hail a cab and get in that's and say, right. start driving that way. start I sprinting <laughs> down yeah, the road. I took 10 steps. steps yeah, you know. that's right. That's the way it works. All right, and by the way, I, I always have to say this, why I'm not covering this whole book. This book is online, PDF, you can download it, it's free. I'm not reading the whole thing. There's a bunch of like granularly tactical things inside that we're not gonna cover, but we're covering the big stuff. The stuff that's applicable to everything that we do next section section two it's a section called leadership so here we go great successes presume boldness and daring preceded by good judgment <laughs> check we never have at our disposal all the desire forces for decisive action news flash you're not gonna have everything you want all the time it's not happening he who will be secure everywhere, or who fixes forces in secondary tasks acts contrary to the fundamental task. So if you're A, trying to do too many things at the same time, we call that prioritize and execute. If if you're trying to do all these secondary tasks and you're not focusing on the main one, you're gonna get crushed. And if you're so dang uh, uh, rooted in your situation, if you're secure everywhere, if you're secure everywhere, you're not going to make any progress.
1: Yeah, man. That's hunker down. Yeah. I'm secure. I'm safe.
0: Hunker down. Mm. When you're hunkering down, the enemy's maneuvering that's on exactly you. That's what's right. happening. The weaker force through speed, mobility, great march accomplishments, utilization of darkness and the terrain to the fullest, surprise and deception can be the stronger
1: at the decisive area. So boom. That's jujitsu, by the way, and special forces, and everything we do to leverage our numerically smaller force.
0: Yeah. Time and space must be correctly estimated. Favorable situations quickly recognized and decisively exploited. Every advantage over the enemy increases our own freedom of action. And yeah, it's not just special forces. It's not just special operations. It's every military unit. unit they all do this if they're good rapidity of action in the displacement of troops can be greatly can be assisted greatly or retarded by the roads and streets nets and by the terrain conditions the season the weather the condition of the troops are also of influence the duration of strategical and tactical operations cannot always be foreseen. You don't know how long something's going to last. Successful engagements often proceed slowly. Often the success of today's battle is first recognized tomorrow. It's an interesting one. Surprise of the enemy is a decisive factor in success. Actions based on surprises are only of great success when we do not permit the enemy to take adequate countermeasures. So you can, you've can got to follow up. That's why you've got to follow up. That's why in... Striking you got to throw combinations. You can't just throw one punch You got to sting them with the jab Mm -hmm. and then you got to hit them with the straight Mm -hmm. and then you got to come in with the hook Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what you got to do. You know, it's interesting the um the one about Often the success of today's battle is first recognized tomorrow. What's interesting about that one? I, I don't know if you remember this because I don't know you might not have been i might not have engaged you at this level but when we first started doing sniper overwatches in ramadi and st- i was getting some questions from up the chain of command they were hey look what, you know this was after a couple of weeks it was hey w- you know we get that you're killing some people but there's no metrics like there's the you've said you've shot 3 ied emplacers ieds have not gone down like the IND I placements this. have not gone down. And luckily I had read the the one the what is it the one TAC 24 the counterinsurgency manual and I had learned from that manual that the average counterinsurgency takes 7 years. So I replied back to the chain of command and said, "Hey, just kind of FYI, we're fighting a counterinsurgency. The average counterinsurgency takes takes 7 years to achieve victory. We've been doing this for Two and a half weeks. Can right. I get a little more time to see <laughs> right. some metrics on it? <laughs> right. So, and that's true. And actually, Colonel McFarlane, this was a, a battle that he had to fight because here you are, you know, it's a metrics based, people that are looking at things from a metrics based level, right? They're saying, okay, in Ramadi, there's 30 enemy attacks a day. And all of a sudden, McFarlane rolls in and starts this counterinsurgency and the enemy attacks. Go up, well, yeah, and, and they go up a lot. And so his chain of command's looking at him. What are you doing? Right. What are you doing? The enemy attacks are getting worse. Your your thing's not working. And he has to explain to them, the, you know, why the enemy attacks are going up because we are actually taking ground from them and they're fighting. Yeah. And we're killing them. But this is what's going to happen. So the initial metrics are the reverse of what you want, and that's the way it is. That's what, so these the yeah. success of Vic, the success of a battle is not always visible today. You have to look at the long term effects.
1: Well, we went into the hornet's nest. I mean, it's like, yeah. Hey, you know what? My kid gets stung by this bee like, you know, once a year, well, we're going to go in and get, get rid of the bees nest. All right. Well, we go in there. We well, got, you guys got stung like 20 times. Well, yeah, because yeah, we went in yeah. and we actually are destroying the hornet's nest. So they're stinging us now even more. That's why it went up. Yeah. And when we're done though, they're not going to sting us at all. But for now the numbers went up. That's exactly what happened. when We went in there like that.
0: We used to go after the hornet's nest. It was exactly. sort of a test of a, uh, you know, when you're eight years old, mm-hmm. it was a, always a test of of, of courage, basically. Because you're gonna go in there with a stick <laughs> and whack that thing yeah. and see if you can get it to fall down. And you know, it's like playing pinata, you don't get it on the first shot, <laughs> like it takes a few, so you whack and then you run and those things come after
1: you. <laughs> right, but then, so all of a sudden, these so things go enemy up. Enemy right? attacks go up, right. yeah,
0: you're right. getting stung. Like right. when you go in and hit a hornet's nest with a, with a stick, you're getting stung pretty much. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Back to the book. The enemy will likewise endeavor to make use of surprise. Our conduct must take this into consideration. The knowledge of hostile leadership and war principles can influence the decision and aid our battle conduct, but it must never lead to preconceptions. Oh, that's good, isn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. Like we know what the enemy's going to do but we don't really know what that's going to do. That's right. Hey, they're going to use the laws of combat, but we got to remember that they might, they might step outside the bounds of the laws of combat. Those conditions which facilitate the conduct of war in our land, make it difficult, make it more difficult in foreign lands require consideration. Yeah. It's much easier on your own. Granted, we've learned that over and over again in strenuous combat. Troops are soon worn out and quickly used up. The forces must receive timely reinforcements in leaders, men, animals, battle needs, and war materials of all kinds. Boys are going to get worn out after a while. The mission and the situation form the basis of action. The mission and the situation form the basis of action. The mission designates the objective to be, cha- to be attained. The leader must never forget his mission. A mission which indicates several tasks easily diverts from the main ex- objective. So once again, prioritize and execute. If you've got a bunch of different things, you're not going to achieve the main objective.
1: I had a situation recently where people were wearing some of their teammates out and was talking to this company about how to do this. And I said, the mission is number one. That's our mission. Our mission is number one, but the mission requires people. Mm -hmm. And so you have to take care of your people and you have to balance their, you know, how how tired they are, whether they're being replenished, but again, always in balance. But the, the mission is number one, but it takes the people and the team to accomplish the mission. So if you wear your team out then you got nobody left to even accomplish the
0: mission. That's that's, that's the dichotomy. We talk about that in the dichotomy of leadership. I mean, if if, if all you're focused on is the mission, your men will be either used up, destroyed, they won't trust you anymore, it'll be a disaster. So your men, your people, have to come first. And at the same time, the dichotomy is, if you do nothing but care about your people, then guess what? You won't have anyone. You you won't accomplish the mission. Which, by the way, hurts your people. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in the business world and you're trying to push your people to drive production or 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 do their job at a faster pace, great. Then you burn them out and they leave, and all of a sudden the company folds. Or the opposite. Okay, guys, you know, take your time. Right. Well, guess what? Now we don't get anything done, and the company folds. So what you have to do is you have to balance. Right. Obscurity of the situation is the rule. Seldom will one have exact information of the enemy. Clarification of hostile situation is, is a self-evident demand. However, to wait intense, intense situations for information is seldom a token of strong leadership, often of weakness. So look, you're not gonna know everything. Right. It's not gonna happen. You have to make decisions. That's what you gotta do otherwise sign a weakness <laughs> <laughs> they edited me on billions oh yes they they there was one little section where i was in the show billions and there was one little section where, where they showed a dollar bill getting like a massage or something like that and i was looking at him and i just go week, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't make the cut. <laughs> uh. <sighs> Next, the decision arises from the mission and the situation. The decision arises from the mission and the situation. Should the mission no longer suffice as the fundamental of conduct, or if it is changed by events, the decisions, the decision must take these considerations into account. He who changes his mission or does not execute the one given must report his actions at once and assume all responsibility for the consequences. He must always keep in mind the whole situation. So, not saying it's wrong. That's like right. Yeah, yeah, they're not saying it's wrong. Somebody's gonna be like, "Hey, Andrew wanted me to go and take this building, and the building is untenable. The the enemy's too strong. I I need you know I make the decision. I'm not going to take that building. We need to drop a bomb. We need to do something else. I just that's fine, but I need to tell you and. I need to keep the whole picture in mind because if that building was strategically important for what we're trying to accomplish, well, then maybe I have to take more sacrifices than I thought to take the building down. The, the, The decision must depict a clear objective aimed at with the whole force. The strong will of the commander must support it. Often, the stronger will gains success without very good reasons a decision once made should not be abandoned okay so this is again critical without without very good reasons a decision once made should not be abandoned and then it says however in the vicissitudes of war an inflexible maintenance of the original decision may lead to great mistakes Timely recognition of the conditions and the time which call for a new decision is an attribution of the art of leadership. Yeah, Don't stick to the one plan that you came up with. Doesn't work. If it's not working, change plans. Really, I've worked for some hard-headed people. And the f- plan would be completely falling apart. And they're riding that thing into right. the ground. <laughs> they're just taking that thing all the I way They got real ownership of their oh, plan. Oh, they're taking real thing. ownership of the plan. They're not going to let it go. Right. They're going to be right. Yeah. The commander must pervi- permit freedom of action to his subordinates insofar that this does not endanger the whole scheme. He must not surrender to them those decisions for which he alone is responsible. So freedom of movement, what does that mean? That means decentralized command. The attack is launched in order to defeat the enemy. The attacker has the initiative. Superiority of leadership and of troops show the best advantage in the attack. Success does not always come to superiority of numbers. So go on the offense. I say that all the time. Go on the offense. Now, is this 100% of the time? No, but you you have you're you're just that much better off when you're on offense. You have surprise. You have initiative. You have the people on their heels. It's amazing that we were able to take down the, the island, like the island campaign in World War II, mm-hmm. going into those heavily fortified, where the Japanese imperial military had been digging in for three, four, five years, yeah. preparing those islands mm-hmm. for, to defend against assaults. United States Marine Corps come and get some. (laughs) Seriously, United States Marine Corps. And of course, the Navy, the Army, but dang, just unbelievable that they were able to, that's that's going on offense. That's right, momentum. Yeah, we're going on offense. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've been digging in? Oh, you built a miles long tunnel system to defend this island? Cool, watch this. We're coming in, we got naval gunfire, we got Corsairs, we got flamethrowers right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're coming and, and obviously at great sacrifice, yeah. but being on the offense, being on the offense is a weapon in its own right. Agreed. Notice this in jiu-jitsu too. Like when you're on offense, you're, you're, you have the edge, you know, you're, you're one step ahead when you, when you're on defense, you're one step behind and it's not fun. And if you're defending for too long, eventually you will get caught. You will, if you're on defense, 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 defense. Eventually, you will yeah. get caught. Eventually, you have to at some point switch. Yeah, and get on offense.
1: I don't know who said it. It maybe it's even cliche at this at, in these days, but you know the best defense is a good offense. So you're on defense, so you need to convert that to an offense. So somebody attacks you, you're on defense. Yes,
0: the best defense is a good offense. So yes, be on, de-
1: yeah. be, a, be on offense yeah. for sure. Yeah, so my, I'm a, somebody attacks me first, I'm on defense. My best defense to that is to return with an offense.
0: Yeah. You know what's interesting is a time when this is different is this is another thing I was talking about at the buster is if there's, if we're arguing about something, mm-hmm. if my if I go with that theory, the best defense is a good offense. And mm-hmm. you start to try and tell me something That's and I so jump right. in and cut you off. And I'm yeah. like, no, we need to do it like this. That's actually wrong. I agree with you
1: in the, yeah, and that. It's interesting. It's interesting, it's right, interesting right.
0: because, and I see that all the time because leaders, people end up in leadership positions. Their personality kind of drives them to be sort of outspoken and speak up and all right. those things. When the reality is the, the more senior you get in a leadership position, the more you should actually use this, the, the ears. You know? And what I said at the muster was 90, 98% use your ears, 2% use your mouth. Mm-hmm. That's where you end up. So this idea that, that you know, being on offense is the best way, well, when it comes to discussions, you should gather some intel before you act and mm-hmm. listen to what other people have to say. <sighs> Check. The possibility that an attack may miscarry should never permit the fettering of energetic leadership from the first (laughs) Yes, we may lose doesn't matter we're gonna get some Pursuit reaps the fruits of victory it strives to destroy the enemy which destruction was not possible in the preceding engagement Only a through going relentless pursuit which prevents the enemy from gaining time to rest and recuperate saves ourselves sacrifices necessitated if we permit the enemy force another decisive engagement no when you get them on the ropes go put them all the way to the river and then toss their bodies in the river that's one, one <laughs> book we read on here <laughs> the defense waits for the opponent the defender seeks to to prescribe the battle terrain that's important right if you're on defense You want to bring people into your arena. right? The defense is chosen when our own inferiority permits no other choice, or if for other reasons, it appears advantageous. I was just reading a a note from a a friend of mine, a team guy whose grandfather was in World War II, still alive, going to get him on the podcast, and when he did the island campaign and then went into... Like Japan surrendered after the bombs, and the Japanese were told on your gun emplacements put a white flag. Like so, Americans were sailing in. Like the war's over, sailing in. I think it was into like, I don't know. He was, he was into some big port in Japan, and when he was sailing in, there was just white flags everywhere, everywhere. And he was looking around. He said it. it he said it literally looked like snow. Wow. There were so many weapons and placements. And he just said, I knew at that point that those atomic bombs saved hundreds Mm. of thousands of Americans that would have had to go in there and fight until the end. So the advantage of the defender as a defender, you want to pull people into your into your zone to to where, you know, this is what the Russians do, right? Channelized terrain. Yeah. Channelized terrain. Perfect. But the Russians, what do the Russians do? Oh, yeah. You want to fight us? Cool. Come on. Come a little bit further, come a little bit further, come a little bit further. What is it? It's September, come a little bit further. Right. Oh, it's, it's October, come just a little bit further. It's November, <laughs> welcome to Russia. <laughs> it's negative 48 degrees. Right.
1: Hope you brought your warmies.
0: Yeah. Hope you brought your warmies. Uh, the defense is chosen when our own inferiority permits no other choice, or if for other reasons it appears advantageous. So if you can be on offense, but if you have to, You go on defense. Breaking off an engagement has the purpose of terminating the battle or giving up the former position in order to continue the engagement at a more favorable position. In the latter instance, delaying action is often employed. So yes, sometimes you have to retreat. The retreat intends to avoid further combat. The engagement must for this purpose be terminated and the withdrawal of the troops be protected. The changing fortunes of battle demand often the passing from one type of engagement to another. So sometimes you've got to attack and sometimes you've got to defend. That's what's gonna happen. That's the reality and Hitler was not. Hitler got to this point as the war went on where he actually didn't understand that, which is why at Stalingrad they left those guys and they they had plenty of opportunities to retreat. No, no, hold the line. I did that. I covered the book called Stalingrad from the from the Nazi perspective, and those guys were surrounded. They were listening to the radio, and Hitler was making speeches, talking about the brave sacrifices of them in Stalingrad. They weren't even dead yet. Like he was, he was saying, "Hey, look, they're surrounded, but they fought to the end. They're still there. Mm-hmm. They were still there." Wow. Talk about coward! Talk about being in your ivory tower. He left those guys to die, surrounded. Delaying action avoids the decision. It will gain time, keep the enemy busy and deceived. So delaying action. Let's 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 let mm-hmm. things develop a little bit more. Mm-hmm. During the course of the battle, the commander influences the action most strongly by the concentration and increase of fire and through the employment of his reserve. Distribution, location, and employment of the reserve require careful consideration. Mobility increases the possibility for their employment. Always have a little bit in the tank. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Always got to have a little bit in the tank. Everybody says that.
1: You know, it's interesting about delaying. You're talking earlier about like, Like the Russians. Oh, a little Mm bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. And then going on in this next couple of sentences, whether it's an enemy, whether it's a competitor, you know, when they're going on the attack, they're also expending considerable resources. Absolutely. Right? So, so if you can kind of think, think about a jujitsu match, a guy's yeah. on the attack, and you're, you know, you're in the guard, and you're kind of in a defensive position, right? Yeah. But you're kind of letting them use his energy up, yeah. right? So let them keep using that energy, use that energy, and, and the troops are expending. It takes effort, logistical support to keep pushing, 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 and you're spreading further and further and further away from you know, home base where you've mm-hmm. got all your support, and then when they're spread and they've expended their resources and they're down to just maybe the last of their fuel and their food, it. Like, boom, then you launch your counterattack. Yeah. So And, and
0: speaking of you know, what I brought up before about when you're, I don't want to use the term arguing, but when you're discussing something from a leadership perspective, you're in a group, you're in a meeting, the exact same situation, let the other people talk and express their viewpoints because every time they express their viewpoint, you have an opportunity to, to listen to it to to understand it to hear someone else make a counter to it and hear their counter to the counter so you're getting all this information you're receiving all this information you haven't you haven't given up any you haven't used any bullets you haven't used any magazines you haven't you you've got everything and you're just observing i mean it's um i think it was it was either dick winners or but they wrote hey when when i let someone talk i know everything that they know and i i know everything that i know it's like, well, there you go. Right. So you keep talking, because I'm gonna know everything that you know, and I'm gonna know everything that I know. And you know how, you know how when, you, when you do so, anything for the second time, it's like, expo- it's not twice as easy, it's not twice as easier, it's, it, it's exponentially more easy to make a decision. So when you go into a room for the first time and there's a guy in the corner you don't know what to do with your weapon, like, it's hard. And then you go into that room again, or there's, there's whatever, there's like a couch and an obstacle, whatever. And you got to do, you got to, you got to make a decision. The first time you go in there, uh, 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 you see a new guy going in there. The fir- the very first time he's ever done it, he jams up and everything's a disaster. He does it one time. You know, he looks at it and go, okay, you step out, do it again. He's exponentially better at doing it. So when we're having a discussion and I get to listen and listen and listen and listen and hear other people give points and counterpoints around a table. And you sit there and just listen and you go, okay, and you can assemble it all. You can assemble the the strongest facts. You can identify the biggest weaknesses. And then when you finally, like you said, you've now you've now everyone has expended all their ammunition. But you, you have a full magazine. Mm-hmm. Your magazine's have has actually been filled up with more rounds because everyone else is expressing their their points and counterpoints. So you just sit there and listen. And then by the end, here we go, here's the plan. And everyone goes, dang, Jock was smart. (laughs) How did he do that? I just shut my mouth and listen. Mm -hmm. All right, going back to the book. This next section, communications, information, reports, situation maps. So if you think about it, what leadership is, is actually just communicating with other human beings. That's actually what it is. Agreed. You, you have to be able to communicate what it is that you need to get done to other people. That's what it is. So how does that work? The reports and information of the enemy form one of the most important foundations of the estimate of the situation, the decision, and its execution. You gotta know what's going on. And it, here it talks about air and ground reconnaissance. It talks about continual observation. It talks about information secured through special means. And I'm sure they're talking about human resources, you know, uh, like human, human intelligence, so spies or whatever. That's not human resources, is it? <laughs> <Is> it's different? <laughs> a different kind of Sorry. human resources. <laughs> different kind of human resources. And And then it says from the whole, from the whole of all these different things, the commander is able to draw correct conclusions, apparently unimportant details in connection with other reports have considerable worth. And this is something that they always told us in the military, when you come back from an operation and you debrief, you'd say like, well, I remember this specific thing. Where did you guys find, because we, my first deployment, we would be looking for weapons built, you know, m- munitions or some, anything that they could be using to build IDs, right? And the question was always, where did you find it? Where did you find it? And I, at first I was like, well, we found it in the bedroom, but where? Because is it, is it inconceivable to think that if you and I were bad guys and I said, hey man, I'm keeping my stuff taped up under my table when the, when the good guys come in, they never find it there. Oh, right. okay, cool. So I'll do the same thing. And we, I'm going this from an actual example. We found debt cord taped up underneath uh, a Mujahideen fighter's table in his house. Mm. And so this is like, oh, I was like, oh, that, that's when it clicked to me. Oh, well, we should tell everyone. That because right. they probably tell everyone. Right. Because that's a pretty good place to hide. You know how tables? Well, this tables have like legs, but then they've got things that the legs attach to. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you just look, glance under it, and it's up under there, it's kind of hard to see. Right. So maybe someone says, "Hey, this is where I've been hiding it." They've searched my house three times, haven't found it. We'll find it now. That's why <laughs> we flip things over. <laughs> that's why we break it in half. <laughs> so it continues on every report and the best information are of little or no value when they reach too late into the command for which they are intended. So yeah, if you don't pass information timely, doesn't make any difference. All commanders are enjoined as early and to the greatest extent possible to inform the higher commander of the situation and to transmit all important information. Yes. The one making a report must express himself clearly and positively. He must differentiate between what he has seen, what another has noted or stated, and what is presumed. Mm -hmm. The source of the information must be stated. Suspicions must have basis. Mm -hmm. Those are big. Yeah. I've, you've got you've got to pay attention to those things. There's a big difference, and that's why we use appears to be, right? That's right. That's one of the biggest ones yep. that they teach us is you don't say, hey, he has an AK-47 or, hey, he's got a weapon. If you can't confirm 100% that that guy legitimately has a weapon, because there's a big difference between, oh, it looks like there's something under his dish dasher, right? Oh, it looks like, he's, looks like he's got a chest rig underneath his dish dasher. That's a lot different than he's wearing a chest rig right. and he's got an AK-47. So it's always... Appears to be, unless you can confirm it. And there's a, when I did the Mili masker on here, that breakdown mm-hmm. of intelligence, of it going from like the division level, which was, hey, this is a, I, I think they used the word, the, the original word was like a suspected VC. Oh no, it was like possible. Possible VC uh, coordination point went from there down to like the brigade level. Then it turned into like, from, from possible to suspected. Just a little bit of a different yep, word. Yep, yep, And then from brigade to battalion, it was like, likely, likely, and it went all the way down. When those guys, when, those, when that Charlie company got those words, it was, this is a VC stronghold. Right. Not only was it that, this is a VC stronghold, the civilians are, are no longer there. The civilians, there's no civilians there. And what they had heard was, on Wednesdays, they go to some market. the 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 the, the w- women and children go to this market, and maybe they did, but it wasn't like I mean, does every single person in your neighborhood go and shop on the same day at the same time? No. Is there hey Wednesday they got a Wednesday they got specials at at the grocery store? Cool. A bunch of people go down there. Not everyone. Right. But the report that they got was there's no friendlies in this village. All VC. Wow, and so as that escalated, you know, you tell that to an 18-year-old trooper, this is an enemy village, and guess what they did? They went in there and they killed, they murdered everyone. So that's why you have to pay attention to those. And I had this happen to me too. We 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 did an op on my first deployment. We got a, a piece of overhead imagery, and on that piece of overhead imagery, there was a red X on one of the buildings. And I was like, cool. I mean, this was early in my deployment. I'm like, oh, that's where the bad guys are? Cool, we'll go get them. We went out, we hit this building, and we cleared it, you know? Blew the door off the hinges, go in there, start SSE. While we're doing SSE, our Terps are interrogating, or what's the tactical questioning, because we don't do interrogation, but doing tactical questioning of the people. The people are like, oh, no, that's not me. The person you're looking for is three doors down. And... So we went and hit it and we actually got the bad guy. Well, when I got back, I was, I was pissed because yeah. I'm thinking, A, like we wrecked this person's house. Now we, you know, that's, that's horrible. That's not good for our strategic vision, what we're trying to get done here. The guy, the enemy, the real bad guy could have escaped. And so I asked the question, I said, who drew this, who put this red X on this building?
1: Yeah, who? Specific, like yeah, what yeah, was the yeah.
0: reason? And who? And I actually said, yeah, yeah. Who and why? And as I dug down into it, they had, they had, through various intelligence sources, narrowed it down to like this one area, and this one area. The center of that circle was the building with the red X on it. So that's wow. my fault, right? That's my fault because I should have said, okay. So from then on it was my deal to say who put this red X there and why.
1: And yeah, what does that mean?
0: What Yeah. What does it mean? Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean that red X implied at the time that like that was the target house as opposed to, hey, there's the center of the ring and it could be anywhere in there. You would yeah. have planned that mission there's, completely there's, differently.
0: There's five houses in this ring and it's one of them. We would have cordoned off the whole you know? area. And if yeah. you, you can think about all the different ways that Intel can come in and every different type of Intel that you could have could come up with, you know, hey, here's here's the, Probable chances, you know, it's going to be one of these houses. So that was a, a big lesson learned for me. And you know, if you're f- people, people to know when we would make a mistake like that, we would obviously we what we did is we carried money, we right. carried money, and yeah. we'd pay them for the damages that we caused, and and we would more than. More than pay for the damage that we caused. It was kind of a good deal to get your door blown off at the <laughs> Would time. Would you like
1: to use my home? No, I mean, the thing is, yeah, we gave them a good chunk of money. And, you know, it was all documented. We had to account for all that. I mean, I remember dealing with the logistics of that. But, but the, but nonetheless, I mean, it's still terrifying. Those people who hadn't done anything wrong all of a sudden have their door blown off. A bunch of oh, Americans are yeah. no, no, already. Oh, it's, 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 it's absolutely it's, horrible. Yeah.
0: The money doesn't, the yeah. money doesn't.
1: It's a strategic loss. It's a strategic loss. Yeah.
0: So that's why I was so pissed right. that this happened. And that's why I was pissed at myself because I accepted that intel as what we were just talking about. Hey, cool. There, there's the red X. Yeah. That must be the bad guy. Cool. Yeah. Let's go hit that house.
1: So many examples in life and in business on that too. People say something and you're like, well, wait, did they say they did they say they weren't going to be there or did they say that they didn't think they could be? Like, I mean, there's just so many conversations that you can have about whether it's marketing in your business, whether it's something you're doing with your family. Hey, just clarify for a second. Hey, hey, wait, what did they really say? Did they actually say this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, they didn't really say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, that totally changes and, everything. And it's in exactly. that moment, yeah, it totally changed. And that's in those moments as a leader. It's like, hey, well, hold on, before we actually go and pull the trigger on this, actually, in yep. the case of combat or yep. figuratively, before we start marching, let's just clarify real quick before we go pushing off in this yep. direction.
0: Oh, yeah. The, the rumor mill, the gossip, the he said, she said, those things are just awful. And as a leader, you have to take a step back. You can't let your emotions get a hold of That's you when right. someone says, oh, he said he didn't want to come to this thing.
1: Wait. Oh oh really? So he didn't want to come.
0: He, he didn't want to come or he, he his father's a, sick. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's got a parent teacher conference on, and his kid's really struggling in school right now. So he he just he can't be there. Oh well that's a totally different story. Totally different, different story. Yeah, totally
0: yeah, yeah. different yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check. Next one. Battle itself provides the most reliable means of estimating the enemy. Boom.
1: For sure. <laughs> well, that's a confirmation, yeah, man.
0: that's that's just legit. That's the truth, which means sometimes you got to take some risk. Got to take some calculated risk and figure out what's going on.
1: All of this is just is talking about preparing, you know, mindset, the troops, the tactics, the techniques, logistics, all of that. But mm-hmm. now to now to okay, sooner or later battle's going to happen. That
0: was a and tough one in Ramadi. They so there would be little checkpoints out in town. And the checkpoints would be run by Americans. And then eventually they'd be run by half Americans and half Iraqis. And at some point it was okay. Iraqis are going to have to run this checkpoint by themselves. And that was a huge risk every time to see if they could pull it off. And the first several times it was not successful. Mm -hmm. And we would turn over the checkpoints to the Iraqis. And there was, there was, i think three of them got overrun oh yeah overrun yeah and just mass casualties but that's what we're what that's a risk that the commander had to take you know that's a risk that um colonel McFarland at the time had to take you had to yeah. say okay we've trained them we've we've pushed them they've been out there we've done the right seat left seat we need to see if they can maintain it we need to see what the enemy's going to do And so the first few times it got tried, it was uh, uh, horrific. And eventually we did get the level of violence down and we did get the Iraqi soldiers trained up enough that they could handle it, but it took some, we we had to do what we're talking about right here. Battle itself provides the most reliable means of estimating the enemy. Sometimes you gotta take that risk, it's awful. (sighs) Continuing on this next little section called estimate of, it's called estimate of situation, period, decision, period. <laughs> mm. An estimate of the situation provides each, pre- precedes each decision. It demands rapid thought, simple, logical consideration of the essential details only. Our mission is the basis. We proceed from it and determine what it prescribes and how we can best accomplish it rapid thought simple logical you wouldn't think that you would need to tell people in the military and business in the world that hey when you're going to make a decision (laughs) you need to think simple and logical right how often do i see people making decisions that are not simple right
1: and And not logical emotional (laughs) yeah
0: just emotional decision making Mm -hmm. here this is what and you know that General Beck had seen this over and over again in order to get to a point where he's making it evident in this book that you need to be logical about your decision-making process. That would be, like if you you were to sit there and talk to, hey, listen guys, here's the most important thing I want to start off with about your decision-making process. Make sure it's logical. You get laughed out of the room. Well, no kidding. Okay, let's see what happens when we crank up the stress. <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah, relationships and people. And people are
1: not making logical decisions. You know when things get emotional? Whenever people are involved. Yes. <laughs> like, that's it. And because that's just, there's, there's all those dynamics of those relationships and history and the way people talk and treat each other. And it creates, and then people become emotionally attached to their own plan And so he has to put it in the book to codify it as you've got to be able to unemotionally detach and analyze what is the best decision that is going to have the biggest impact on the battlefield or to impact the battlefield.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The character of the hostile leader and the hostile troops may be used in estimating the conduct of the enemy, especially if we have had. Previous battle experience with those. So you gotta know who you're going against. That's a patent right there. I read your book. As a determined decision must be logic must be the logical result of careful consideration of all factors. The decisions made will not always correspond to the actual conditions presented. This is interesting. The decisions made will not always correspond to the actual conditions, conditions presented then the situation develops other than the decision contemplated, he has the greatest prospect of success who quickly and skillfully exploits other reconnaissance, but does not change the decision except with compelling reasons. So that's the same thing we were were talking about earlier. So you, you stick with your decision until you see that it's not a good decision. And, and the then you change it.
1: You can do that. You can quickly analyze it. Yep. Right. That's yep. how, like Boyd said with the OODA loop, the quicker you can go through that OODA loop, the better you can outmaneuver. I used
0: to do this all the time, in even in, in Task Unit Bruiser. When things weren't going the way I expected them to go, my, my, my strongest desire was to keep doing what we planned to do. Like okay, look, oh, we didn't expect to take contact from over there, cool, but we're gonna keep pressing through from the north or whatever. And that was my that was my that was where I leaned toward. I always lean toward go with the plan. You know, plan your dive, dive your plan. Right? Mm -hmm. We say on diving, hey, you come up with a plan, you go out there, everyone's walked through it, everyone knows what the plan, we briefed it. If you can stick with that, you stick with it. But then sometimes you gotta go. Oh, you know what? I didn't expect what that. And that is too big of a curveball for us to handle. I'm making an adjustment or making a call. And that's why we have standard operating procedures. And we make an adjustment based on something that else that we've rehearsed a thousand times. That's right. So you've got to pay attention to that. Now we get into orders. This is pretty cool. The order puts the decision into effect. Clear orders are an essential for the frictionless cooperation of all commanders. For the higher commander, the written order provides the foundation for leadership. It is communicated to the lower units printed as a carbon copy, typewritten or written by hand or by technical communications means. Frequently, it is dictated over the telephone. In every instance, the most sure and suitable method of transmission is to be chosen. Should the order Should the order be simple or short, it may be orally communicated. It must later, however, be committed to paper. So, this is something that I talk about a lot, and I always throw out this question to trip everyone up. I say, what's better communication, email or voice? You know, email or or conversation? And everyone goes, conversation, 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 and and they're right, right, kind of. Because what goes on, what goes on is if if I call you up and I say, hey, Andrew, we're gonna do A, B, and C. You good with that? And you're like, cool, got it. And then you go out and what I said isn't what you heard. Happens, <laughs> and you do right. A, B, and D. That's right. And I go, what, what's wrong with you? And you say, what, you told me to do A, B, and D? No, I just told you to do A, B, and C. And here we go. Right. We have a problem. So that's why when you and I have a phone conversation, I say, we get done and I call you and I send you an email It says, hey, just wanna confirm we're on the same sheet. We're going to do A, B, and C. And you email me back and say, no, I thought you said you wanted me to do A, B, and D. No, sorry, I didn't articulate it right. We're definitely doing A, B, and C. And you say, okay, cool, got it. So verbal is great. Voice is great. Phone is great, yes. But email is very clear. Now you flip that over. Okay, now I'm just emailing you, hey, Andrew, do A, B, and C and you're like, wait, why is he telling me this? Right. Is he is he telling me this because he thinks I don't know how to do this myself? Right. You know, it's like, and then we get into this whole thing. Or you get you, these long emails. Yeah, long, just super blah. stupid, long emails that you didn't, don't even read the whole thing because mm-hmm. it's too long. So what you want to do is you want to use both. Um, this is, this stuff here. <sighs> the fact that, this is why I, this is actually why I majored in English because when I was a young officer, and I hadn't been to college yet, luckily, so I was able to figure out what I wanted to major in, but I could already see, and there was no war going on, this is like 1998, 1999, I could already see that the written messages that we'd get, the they, they were so important to be able to understand, and then you had to be able to write a concept of operation that made sense. Mm-hmm. And so I knew, I was like, okay, well, I know what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get really good at this, and I realized that this idea of communicating with other humans humans was the actual basis of of all leadership up and down the chain of command. And what really helped me a lot was when I I had to study Shakespeare in college, Mm -hmm. the thing is Shakespeare is very humbling because you don't know what the freaking words mean because (laughs) they're barely English, right? (laughs) right? It's barely English. And anyone that says they can pick up Shakespeare and understand it, is lying either lying to you or they came from a time machine <laughs> in Middle England <laughs> right. because it doesn't happen. So what I realized, you know, because at first you're reading Shakespeare and you're like, oh, I must be stupid. I'm stupid because and you know the it's like no, actually you wouldn't know that word. That word hasn't been used since 1648. Mm-hmm. So why would you know this word? Why would you know the meaning of that word? You wouldn't know it. So you have to look it up. And you got I got very it's just it's you know what it is. It's just humbling. So when I would get some ROE from down from some rules of engagement down from the chain of command, and I'd look at it and go, well, I'm not really sure what this means. I didn't just go, oh well, screw it. I'll just make my best guess. No, right. I would get out a dictionary and look up the damn words that I didn't understand and then simplify them because I, you know, if I don't understand what a word means, there's no way in hell. <laughs> and you're an English major. Yeah, and I'm an English major. And there's no way in hell that some of our frontline guys right. are gonna know it. So you gotta translate it for them. So this stuff about communications huge S- Back just, to simple it, it's man. just yeah it's got to be simple clear concise is what we say at echelon front simple clear concise that's the way it's got to be continuing on the, this is so good the more pressing the situation the shorter the order where circumstances permit oral orders are given in accordance with the terrain not the map oh that's good so whatever chance Whenever I can, I'm actually taking you out there. I'm actually looking. Okay, Andrew, you see that hill over there? I want you to get, you know, put some machine guns up there because we're going to assault through. You go. Okay, got it. Not looking at a map. We're looking at the terrain itself. Yeah. How often can you eyes actually on. get eyes on? Um, in the front lines and with the lower commanders, this is particularly this is particularly so with important orders it is often advisable to use two or more means of transmission which is what i just said and i tell that to companies all the time hey you want to get your you want to get your vision out to the company email it to them do a video do a conference call do a, a a poster that they can do it all get that message out there do you you know i hate to say over communicate because that implies it's too much but over communicate when i think of over communicate it's like i'm going to send you Hey Andrew, I'm gonna send you 48 emails every day. Yeah, of, now of, I don't even which know yet. which one I which should be reading important. here. And yeah,
1: you know I had a good conversation with Sarah mm-hmm. wrong, at the uh, at muster about mm-hmm. this and about how in this day and age, if anything, people tend to overuse email, and mm-hmm. we have these just swamped inboxes. And having a, in this modern day and age, having a, a good plan in place for some comms discipline. Of, of, and it's exactly what, what you said earlier. And, and I've been using this in business for years. It's, it's a conversation because you can get to the bottom line quicker because so much of the communication is nonverbal. It's like tonality. And, mm-hmm. and if you can do it over a, a video of ETC or Zoom or Skype or whatever, mm-hmm. great. So you get to the solution quicker because we're, we're going back and forth on each other. We get to this. We get to that final conclusion. And yep. then you follow up with an email because then it's black and white. Mm. And then you have like the, the confirmation of this is what we talk about. Documented. Yep. Ex- exactly.
0: It is easy to underestimate the time required to get an order through. If that's a good one. Mm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. going to take a little bit longer than you thought. Oh, here we go. This is what you were just talking about. Too many orders, especially a battle during which the communication means may miscarry, produces the danger of causing injury to independence of action or lower, of the lower commanders. So if you're if you're trying to tell everyone exactly what to do, guess what? Eventually that order's not going to get through, and you know what they're doing? They're waiting to hear it because you haven't decentralized command enough. Yeah. You've you've trained them like a dog only to do what you tell them to do. An order should, shall contain all that is necessary for the lower commander to know in order for him to execute independently his task. It should contain no more. <laughs> Correspondingly, the order must be brief and clear, decisive in tone and complete, adopted to the understanding of the receiver. Oh, that's what I just talked about. Adopted to the understanding. So you got to translate those big words in the ROE down to the front line troops and according to conditions, his peculiarity. The commander must never fail to place himself in the position of the receiver. I talk about perspective all the time. You gotta understand the perspective of the person that you're talking to. They don't have all the context that you have. You gotta gotta recognize that. The language of orders must be simple and understandable. Clarity, which eliminates doubts, is more important than correct technique. Clarity must not be sacrificed for brevity. So sometimes you got to go a little bit more detailed. Negative expressions and changes lead to half measures and are objectionable. Exaggerations are equally bad. Orders may bind only in so far as they correspond to the situation and its condition and its conditions. So that's a good one. Orders may bind only insofar as they correspond to the situation and its conditions. So as soon as there's something outside that, you can't can't say no, don't go across the line of the limit of advance, ever. Cause guess what? You might get into contact and the only way to get out of it is to cross that limit of advance. So you better leave some flexibility in there. Still it is often necessary to issue orders in uncertain situations if changes in the situation are to be expected before the order is put into execution, the order should not go into details. So if you don't know really 100% what's gonna happen, if you have, he says still still, it is often necessary to issue orders in uncertain situations. You're still gonna give orders, but. If change in the situation is to be expected before the order is put into execution, the order should not go into details. In great strategical operations, especially when orders must be issued for several days in advance, this abstention from details is to be specifically observed. The general intention is expressed, the end to be achieved is especially stressed. In the execution of impending action, the main instructions are given, the immediate conduct of the engagement is left to subordinate commanders in such a way, the order is fully executed. Decentralized command, 100%. Mission end state. Yes. This is what we're trying to get done. Here's where we're trying to end up. Go make it happen. In so far as conditions permit, it is often best for the commander to clarify his intentions to his subordinates by word of mouth and discussion. Yet he must not make himself dependent on his subordinates. The decision and orders are therefore solely his. This is, hey, you talk to your platoon chief as a platoon commander, and your platoon chief is saying, we should come in from the west and attack from the west, and you go, okay, sounds good, and then you get hit strong forces and you fail your mission. You don't go, well, chief told me we're coming in from the west. <laughs> he said that. Right. <laughs> no, shut up. It was your call. He made his recommendation. Continuing, it is recommended that the written order, which directs the activities of different elements to a common goal, be paragraphed and the paragraphs numbered. That's a, I kind of left that in there because this is the kind of detail this manual goes into. Like number your paragraphs. Yeah. That which is important should be placed first. Check. Here we get here. This is this is good. The following sequence is recommended for operations orders. Number one, information. So in the U.S. military and in, and in NATO, as a matter of fact, we use something called the five-paragraph order, SMEAC, situation, mission, execution, admin and logistics, and command and signal. That's what we use in the U.S. military. That's sort of our abbreviated... Uh, troop leading procedures boom you use situation mission execution admin and logistics and command and signal So here's they're talking about operational orders the first thing Information of the enemy and neighboring units insofar as this is importance of, of the receiver So what is that that's the situation enemy situation and friendly situation? Next the intention of the commander insofar as it is communication as its communication is essential to the accomplishment of the end sought, what is that? It's mission, so we've got situation, mission, we've got literally the exact same thing. Execution is what we have next, and theirs is missions for the elements of the whole command, what's that? Yeah, that's that's the execution, that's what we're actually gonna do. For America, we have admin and logistics next, and they have orders for the light motorized columns the field trains and baggage trains, (laughs) the battle echelon, and the remaining reserve elements insofar as this is of importance to the troops. So what's that? It's all the logistics, Logistics. it's all the admin. And the last one we have is command and signal, which is how you're gonna communicate and where, you know, this is when you'd be briefing, you'd say, you know, hey, as the tasking commander, I'm gonna be on this ridge line. So we have command and signal, and the last thing that they say is command post and communications to and from. I hmm. wonder where we got Smiak from. <laughs> so there's the origination of Smiak. It's it's, yeah. you know, it comes from the Truppenführung. Mm. That's so where we got. So
1: good, it. man. How, how this book has has escaped, like my junior officer training. You know mm. what I mean? Like the, it, that's it,
0: what we're trying to solve right now. Yeah. That's what we're trying to solve. We can't solve it. We can't go back in time. But I promise you, there are. NCOs out there, I talk to them all the time. there are junior officers out there. I talk to them all the time they send me messages there are battalion commanders that that go through this and listen to it so we're good yeah we've we're, we're taking care of the problems of the past we're this, this is absolutely true that's why i'm sitting here it's literally why I'm sitting here because yeah. I get a I get a damn email or I get a message from a marine Corps second lieutenant that's in the game or I get a letter from an army sergeant that's leading a squad and is like thank you got it
1: I gotta admit when I was a junior officer I was so busy so busy you know rabbit ears you guys can't see that like with whatever I was tasked with I never had time to read a book like this I read what books I was basically forced to read and I got through them as best I could. And the best leaders made me do those things because I was so darn busy. It wasn't a priority to me at 23 years old to do that. But man, some of these things I learned firsthand. And like, as you're reading them, I'm like, yeah, well, I absolutely know this to be true. But I learned it like by actually touching the hot stove myself, you know? Well, Dave Burke was talking about it
0: when he was at, the basic school is they gave him a stack of manuals Mm -hmm. and said, read the manuals. But the problem is you don't have the context around them. yeah. So that makes it much, much
1: harder to read. It's like distant. You don't really.
0: And even for me, when when I'm reading something with all the context I have around it, like when I read it, like when I first started reading books that I knew I was gonna do on the podcast, it it gave me a new level of appreciation for what I was reading because I was like, oh, okay. So here's how I'm gonna describe this to everyone. Mm -hmm. Because, Just like we were talking about written versus email versus verbal right when you read the written word it's different than when someone is putting the influence on the right spot right the when you're using the tone and all that stuff and i mean it's that's coming from that's coming from Colonel William Reeder who had I, I was reading his book to him on this podcast mm-hmm. and he's like this is very emotional for me <laughs> because I haven't you know read this book since I wrote it and wow. it's very hard to listen to mm-hmm. y- you know it's like yes when you add the voice it's there's something more to it and then when you have someone that's a knuckle dragger like me that says, "Oh, here's what this is. Here's what we're talking about here. Here's what here's what this actually means. Here's what this translates to on 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 the battlefield in the boardroom somewhere. Here's the the way it actually works. So that's what's good. Even though we didn't get the ideal training, we can give it to them now.
1: Yeah. And I think it's so important. We talk about training and how important training is for preparation. Like at least at the very least hey you got to read this book at the very least okay I mean in the absence of that it's like a complete failure but at least okay read these books but you've got to find the time to do the training read the books and then as a leader sit down and keep, what does that really mean when we go out and we operate in this way what are the lessons from this book that we can apply yeah. really do it
0: yeah you know it's like for me when I was reading About Face and I read About Face like when we were in Ramadi. I read it for the first time. I'm not sure, 100% sure when I read it for the first time. But I knew that when I brought it to Ramadi, I was like, that's the only book I brought with me. Wow. And the thing is, I would read that. Like I would read that to fall asleep, right? I just get up to my room. I would open up to a random page because I've read it enough times that I don't need to read it from cover to cover. But I'd open up to a random page and I'd be like, oh, oh, this is this is what I'm experiencing right now. Oh yeah, okay. He experienced the same thing. I, re- I remember one of the first nights I was there. Flipped it open, and I start reading it. And what it's saying is, he they're working with the South Vietnamese military, and the South Vietnamese military was untrained, unequipped. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were totally devoid of any kind of ethics in terms of money, and you know it was corrupt. Mm-hmm. So. I was like, oh, okay, so he, so in Vietnam they were dealing with the exact same thing that we're dealing with here. Okay, cool. Here, let's look at how he dealt with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look, there. That's the person that actually made me say, okay, the Iraqi soldiers are not going to be like us. They have a different culture. They they run things a different way. It's not it's not wrong. It's just different from the way we do things. The classic cases. The Iraqi officers skimming money right. off the enlisted guys' paychecks. Right. And we're, to us, this is like a total, <laughs> total sin, right? right? The ultimate sin. You're going to steal money from your enlisted troops. For them, the enlisted guys. That's what they expected. Yeah, they totally Hey, he's the boss. It. Yeah. Hey, he's going to take a little bit. He's going to take his little cut. Of course, <laughs> right, he's the boss. Right. You know what are we doing? we he's going to he's still generous to us. You know he's not taking all of it. Right. And we had to get that through our minds. You know that 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 their attitude, their cult, they're culturally different. And so if we waste a bunch of time trying to sort out their pay, they're all looking at us going, "What are you doing? Why are you trying to create a conflict with us? We, I'm the boss." Right. I'm going to take my cut. What are you talking about? Right. To them, it's just as simple as. That's how it that's is. That's just how it is. Yeah. You know? And, and so for me, like reading about face, that was, that was the book that really tuned me into, okay, there are lessons here. I mean, that's why, that's why I named Tasking a Bruiser Tasking a Bruiser because that's what, that's what Hackworth did. 100% stolen from Hackworth. 100%. But all the little things, cover and movie talks about in there talks about decentralized command all the time. Talks about all those things are in there. He doesn't it's not even a leadership book. It's all in there though. Mm-hmm. So, yes, these types of situations where the other thing that happens is everything we've said so far, right? Just every topic that we've talked about is in extreme ownership. It's in the dichotomy of leadership. It's all in there. But all of it is a different angle. And just like when you when you experience the same thing, but from a little bit of a different angle, you know it better. That's right. You know it. If if I teach you an arm lock and then Dean teaches you an arm lock and then Andy teaches you an arm lock, you got a little something different from each one of us. It's just a little different sign, a little different movement Mm -hmm. and you get better at it. Same thing happens here. You, You hear that same message maybe in a little different way, maybe a little different spin on it, maybe shown in a different scenario. You actually learn from it and that's what's important. Cause the more you, the more, the more variations of the same thing you've seen, the better off, the better you understand it. And it makes you that much better. And if you see the way, if you know the way broadly, you see it in all things. And the more you see it, the more you know it. Mm. So yes, that's the way it should be. <laughs> that's the way it should be. Uh, continuing on. Suppositions and expectations are to be so indicated. Reasons for the measures ordered belong only exceptionally in the order. Detailed instructions covering all possible contingencies, which are matters of training, do not belong in an order. It's interesting they say suppositions and expectations. What do we call those in the military? We call them assumptions.
1: We just talked about that yep. too. Yep, we lied. It is
0: often suitable to issue a warning order. Warning order informs the latest developments of the situation it is used to affect with the most urgent preparations. Likewise, it is used to permit the troops to come to rest earlier and also permit them to plan to rest longer. So, warning order, something that we also use. Another section here. When an order or report is transmitted orally, the one bearing the order or report must repeat it to the issuing person. A person transmitting a written report should be instructed as to its contents in so far as conditions permit. Officers transmitting orders should, as a rule, be instructed as to the tactical situation. It's funny, even in the teams, when someone says peel right, everyone repeats the call. You repeat it back to the person that just told you, and then you repeat it to the next person. The place of the commander and his staff. This is the next section we're going into. The personal effect of the commander on the troops is of great importance. He must be near the fighting troops. The choice of location for the corps commander should be based upon the requirement of the establishment of rapid and continuous communication to the divisions and the rear. He cannot rely along technical communications, meaning telephone wires and all that. We, We can do better with this now, but back in the day, and even even so, there's nothing that beats face to face, nothing. Nothing beats face to face. Great distance, in spite of adequate communication facilities, lengthens the command and report lines, endangers the system, and may lead to late reports and orders, or even failure of arrival. Moreover, great distance makes difficult personal terrain study and a personal knowledge of the process progress of the battle. The division commander belongs with his troops. Boom. Don't get so detached. This section is called, and we just—I just jumped through a bunch of really granular tactical stuff. If you're a, a military, good stuff to read gonna jump through it this section is called attack which is just worth covering in its own right (laughs) (laughs) the attack is affected through movement fire thrusts and through thrusts and through the direction in which it is directed the attack can be directed from one direction against the front but ordinarily the greatest strength is launched against the flank or the rear of the enemy moreover an attack can be launched from several directions with a breakthrough of the hostile front New attack directions are provided. So when you flank someone, guess what? There's going to be other opportunities that are appear. The frontal attack is the most difficult of execution, yet it is the most frequent. The outflanking attack is more efficient than the frontal. Simultaneously, outflanking of both enemy flanks presumes considerable superiority. An envelopment of one or both hostile flanks and reaching deep into his rear can lead to the annihilation of the enemy. This is something that's very tricky because we talk about envelopment of the enemy, which means surrounding the enemy, and in a small, that's cool, if you're in a b- battalion or bigger, and actually I wanna say brigade or bigger, like we're talking massive battlefield movements, because when you get, when you, if you envelop, if you, have a, if you have a company of soldiers, 150 soldiers, and you envelop the enemy, guess what you're doing? You spread thin. Well, not only you spread thin, when you surround an enemy, you are all pointing your weapons at yourselves. Mm-hmm. That, that's the real problem. Yeah. So we ran into this a lot in, in the teams where guys would want to surround a target. And, and there's some, it's problematic. It's very problematic. You have to, that's why, you know, the classic L-shaped, right. whether ambush or L-shaped assault, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why the guys in Vietnam taught us to do that right because as long as you know what your fields of fire are you can you can go hot if you're in an l shaped ambush or you're in an l shaped assault the minute I put people you know whether it's two hundred and seventy degrees around a target or three hundred and sixty degrees i can i now I have to worry about my backdrop and yeah. it's a real problem and you know what you can get away with those You can get away with enveloping a target all day long as long as there's no shooting, but the minute the enemy starts shooting, it's a problem. So there are ways to cover exits from an L, you extend that a little bit, you can put some overwatches in, but it is a real problem to think that you're gonna envelop a target in a small, you know, uh, let's say with, with direct fire weapons, company size or smaller, it's a real problem to think you're gonna be able to envelop a target and not have a problem
1: if there's a big firefight. It's gonna suck. Yeah, and those lines, those phase lines can get confused Mm -hmm. real quickly as we know. But
0: flanking the enemy is awesome. And you should do it every opportunity you get in all aspects of life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Continuing a little bit more about the envelopment. The envelopment presumes a frontal fixation of the enemy. So you you still have to lay down some sort of fire to make them distracted. The enemy is most certainly fixed if his entire front is attacked. However, such an attack demands strong forces which must be absent from the enveloping wing. Often, therefore, must the attacker be content with limited objective or faint attacks. So you're trying to, yeah, you, if, you, if you use every troop that you have to do the frontal, frontal assault, well, then you've got no one left to flank. So another cool thing, like in the teams, you'd have the little assault force that was gonna move. And so when I first was like going through SQT, well, we just take all the big machine gunners and put them in the base element. Mm-hmm. Like you guys are gonna lay down fire and then all, of, uh, all the other guys with the, with the M4s, we would be the assault team. Well, what happens when the assault team gets compromised?
1: They're compromised.
0: They're compromised. And now they can't advance. So now they lay down and start laying down fire. Well, now the base force just became the assault force. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And guess what they're holding?
1: Yeah. Heavy A bunch weapons. of heavy
0: weapons. Yeah. They're not very they're not, not mobile. as mobile. And even worse, the now base force, all they have is M sixteens. And they're going ping, ping, ping. Right. That's not going to keep anyone's head down compared to an M60. Right. So I learned that very early. What you don't, you don't, and it was great for me because that was another thing that initially taught me: Hey, you got your standard operating procedures. You got two squads, you know, you got two squads in a platoon. Cool. One is base, one is assault. Don't pull the heavy weapons into the base force because you might need them.
1: Well, I think in two, it's it's if the enemy in the in there, he's saying, well, if the enemy is is fixed, right? You have mm-hmm. to, it, it presumes. The frontal assault, like that's the main effort, mm-hmm. and and but if that shifts, if they become wise to the flanking maneuver and they begin to put more forces there, then the yep. whole thing just dynamically shifted around. And so, by loading up your base with your automatic weapons, now you're now you're totally off balance. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah.
0: These are the little things that I learned along the way that mm-hmm. I that I was like, oh, that makes sense. So there's
1: a good reason to have yes. an AW or two in each squad. Yes, and, yeah aw2 (laughs) that's the the best best position (sighs) check here's
0: talking about execution of attacks bases of the cooperation of arms so what are we talking about here hmm the objective of combined arms in an attack is to bring the infantry in its decisive action against the enemy with sufficient firepower and shock action so that it is possible to drive through deeply and break down the final hostile resistance. This goal is first reached when the hostile artillery is taken or is forced to retire. All arms cooperating in an attack must recognize their mutual capabilities and consider their respective limitations. They require continuous close communications with one another. The cooperation between the attacking infantry and the supporting artillery governs the course of the attack full cooperation must exist in time and space throughout Mm. the attack Mm. this is a little something that we call cover and move yeah and what's interesting is how much they talk about communication continuous close communication with one another in the cooperation. cooperation you know in the Marine Corps when we covered when when Dave Burke and I covered the tactics manual, they call cover move cooperation. That's what they call it. And so that's, I wonder where they got that from. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, cooperation working together, but also look like break the word in two pieces, it's cooperation, right? So you have mm-hmm. two different elements that yeah. may even have different chains of command, right? You got an artillery unit, you have an infantry unit, and, you know, we, we saw this in Ramadi, too. We were, here we are, a Naval Special Forces unit with one set of communication method working with Army and Marines who use different types of communication who own the battle space. We were guests in their battle space, mm-hmm. and we had to cooperate. Right? We had to cooperate. That meant communication, working together to ensure, you know, that synchrony of effort. And without that, that's when, you know, we're— well, we're, we're going to be operating this here. Where are you going to be? Do you, well, I don't need to tell you. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of like this old, you know, some people talk like that. Mm-hmm. That's not what we did. And that's part of why we had success there is because we cooperated with the Army and the Marines.
0: No doubt about it.
1: Continuously.
0: We, yeah. We covered moved with them. hundred mm-hmm. percent. It is the duty of both infantry and artillery to secure their cooperation through mutual established Permanent and effective communication. What does that mean? That means you better have a relationship with them. Dude,
1: I mean, it's just. <laughs> sorry, I didn't know you're about to read what I just said. No, no, <laughs> it's good. That's
0: that's once again proving that that actually what we're talking about is timeless, and it and it and it should be obvious to people on the battlefield. It should be obvious to people. In the in the business world, it should be obvious to people that are trying to work together inside of a family, it should be obvious. But once again, the reason we have a business, <laughs> the reason we have a business is because it's not as obvious. It's not as easy to execute this stuff right. as it is to read it. Yep, exactly. And it, and it takes practice and it takes technique. And and the best way to get good at it is to do it. But you're going to make mistakes, and you. And you're going to learn from them. You, well, you better learn from them. So I think that's actually a good place to wrap up this um, this document, you know, this document, this crazy document, Kruppenfuring, which is just tons of those lessons in there. And either lessons learned, most of them are just lessons reinforced. That's what most of them are. Simplicity of conduct will most surely obtain the objective. Friction and mistakes are an everyday occurrence. This is for for those of you out there with the um, what do they call it? A zero defect mentality? Wrong. Exactly. People are going to make mistakes. There's gonna be friction. There's not, you're not gonna to get to do anything easy. If you're doing something easy, guess what? It's you shouldn't move on and find something more challenging. Mutual trust is the surest form of discipline. That right there, when you when you think of discipline as something you're gonna impose on your troops, you're wrong. You're wrong. Discipline is formulated through trust. Strictly maintained discipline is a better to all. And, and then this one, one of my favorites from this is the first demand of war is decisive action, decisive action. That is what we need. That's what we all need. The words and the thoughts and the plans and the ideas, they all mean nothing without action. And I'm definitely not saying that you don't need to think or you don't need to plan or you don't need to have ideas, but I am saying that none of those things matter unless you take action. So, I think that's all we've got for tonight. And if you wanna take some action in your life, in your world, here's some things that you can do. Train jujitsu. jitsu that's a good one. You're training right now, Andrew?
1: I am check back on the mats of justice very humbling the last muster which is what got me back onto the mats
0: oh because you realized you need to get your game back oh it was just
1: humbling that's just the only way i can describe it
0: see you're lucky you had that jujitsu you had you had jujitsu before a lot of people had jujitsu because you were training in the 90s
1: yeah yeah yep late 90s so you
0: kind of Rested on those laurels a bit, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? I yeah. Well, and everybody else got really good and I got rusty. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just haven't been training. Not in jujitsu anyway. Yeah.
0: So back on the mats. Hey, if you're if you're training jujitsu, go to originmain.com. You can get American made. Everything. Gis, the best geese. You can support this podcast and you can support America. We got t-shirts, hoodies. Geese, did I say geese? Yes, I did. And jeans, by the way. Now we got jeans. That's right. American-made jeans. Cotton from America. Woven in America. Sewn in America. By Americans. It's awesome. And actually available now for the first time for pre-order Origin Boots. (laughs) Origin boots. So same thing, you know. We've we we invested in the machinery. We found the the old timers that know that did that for their living before factory started going overseas. So check out the Origin boots supplements, Joint Warfare Krill Oil, Discipline, Discipline Go, and also Discipline Go Ready to Drink. Booyah! I see you've been sucking on that thing over there. You drank a lot of those. During I drink the mustard. You
1: know, I, uh, I I was like, dang. Well, you, I had some at night, and you're like, you're drinking that right now. I'm like, yeah, man, it tastes great. I like it. I, I'm a fan of the Tropic Thunder. Oh, it, yeah, it, yeah. You know.
0: So we got Tropic Thunder. We got Lemon Lime, which is called Citrus Psycho. I'm running low on that right now. so I didn't bring him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I thought when you brought it in here, you just remembered that my preference. No, you I got was lucky. Like, I, was like, I was like, oh, wow. Look at that Draco paying attention to the guys work for him. Like, yep. you know, you no, know Don't, don't care. <laughs> don't care. All the thing I said about caring was
0: not true. I just, that's what I have left. I didn't want to <laughs> sacrifice any of my lemon lime. <laughs> Roger that. Roger that. No, dude, I remembered. Okay, okay. I was taking care of you. So, yeah, you can get, the, you can get those cans. Ultimately, you're going to be able to get those everywhere in the world. That's what I'm talking about. Cause it's good for you. I was the ingredients. Have you seen the ingredients? Monk Filtered fruit. carbonated water, natural flavor, citric acid, monk, monk fruit extract. That's the ingredients. Look at the ingredients on any other can of what the crap is in there. No, it's bad for so, you. So it's got a bunch of other things, B12 and magnesium and sodium and potassium, and there's caffeine in it. So anyways, check it out. You'll dig it and it will get you. It'll get you kind of fired
1: up. It'll get you going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It'll get you going. Warrior Kid Mulk. Mulk. Strawberry. Chocolate. Whatever. Bunch of different flavors. Jocko White Tea. Check that out. We have our own store. JockoStore.com. Rash guards. T-shirts. Truckers hats. Beanies. Hoodies. Everything on there is legit. If you want to support the podcast, it's awesome. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to this podcast. The Warrior Kid Podcast. I got a couple that are approaching readiness. So we'll be there. I, I usually l- roll those out three at a time. So I got one in the bank, working on a couple more. YouTube, if you wanna see Echo Charles's legit videos, then you can go there and you can, in the comments, tell Echo that he's jacked. He's not here right now to defend himself, but boy, does he love it when people <laughs> tell him he's jacked. He, he's all, he acts all humble, but he loves every second of it. <laughs> Psychological warfare, you can get that on iTunes, Google Play. If you want an alarm clock, You want the Jocko alarm clock? Jocko, you should make an alarm clock. It's there. Oh, I have it. This is what I use. It's called Psychological Warfare. If you want that, go to any MP3 platform. You can get it. FlipsideCanvas.com. Dakota, my brother. He's making cool things to hang on your wall. Got a bunch of books. The next book to come out is called Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual. Breaking down this stuff at a tactical level pragmatically so you can execute it. Also, Way of the Warrior 3 Kid just came out a little while ago. It's called Where There's a Will. talked about will today. Shouldn't children know about the power of their will? Yes, they should. Get them the book that's literally called Where There's a Will and you know the rest of it. The other Way of the Warrior Kid books are also available. Way of the Warrior Kid and Mark's Mission. Mikey and the Dragons. Best kids book ever you're one of the first people i read it to
1: yes yeah before it was
0: even in print it wasn't even in print it was like i just scratched it out it's so good <laughs> yeah it was awesome when i read it to you and you were like i could see the look in your face you're like how did this knuckle dress you write that <laughs> same exact uh, so good I,
1: that's a gift i give to like um friends of mine to yeah. give to like kids like it's a bedtime story it's so good and there's something in there for all of us adults too. There is, there yeah. is indeed. Uh, and then there's
0: Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. How to get after it, manual. <laughs> <laughs> the audio version of that is on, it's MP3, it's not audible. It's the, Because, same thing, I wanted people to be able to break it down and put on their alarms. So that's what I did. iTunes, whatever, MP3. Extreme Ownership with my brother Leif Babin. Dichotomy Leadership with my brother Leif Babin. Everything that we're talking about, in modern language, examples from the battlefield in the business world—very straightforward principles. One of the best—I think it's the best-selling business book since it came out. Extreme Ownership. That got all me. Leadership. People say is better. Interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. So get those two. EF Online. We made online training for leadership because you can't just go to one. Event or read one book and think that you're all good to go. You need to continually train and And that's what we made EF online for EF Online.com. It is leadership training interactive leadership training Online Check it out and we have one more muster this year. It's in Sydney, Australia All the other muster we did we did in Chicago sold out we did Denver sold out We had to change the room around in Denver. Yeah because to, to, we had so much demand so we changed the room around that's not happening in Sydney Sydney is absolutely gonna sell out Go to extreme if you want to come I look forward to seeing you all in Sydney and we're gonna announce The 2020 dates pretty soon. How'd you like muster?
1: Oh Muster's <laughs> amazing, man. So good. And you know, teams need to come together. Yeah. You know, you I mean, I've I've gone to events for years. There's nothing like Muster. You know, running a business, there's nothing like Muster. And I'll just tell you that you come as a leader, for sure. Mm-hmm the value of bringing several of your other key leaders with you so you're all hearing the p- material together. Yeah. It's one thing to go individually. It, sure, that's great, but the tendency is to come back like Moses coming down the mountain with the tablets. And everyone's, yeah. you're fired up and everyone's like, okay. But when, they, when several of you hear it together, you can yeah. really implement change in your, in your organization. Yeah, that's a good call. And we've
0: seen a lot more of that. There were some, peop- some companies that brought 20 plus that's people amazing. to the muster. the amazing. I mean, did, and we, we set aside some seats so that they could be together like right. you're talking about, it, like 20 plus people. And there's there's plenty of companies that brought four. Yep. You know, brought six. Some people come alone, that's fine too. But yeah, if you can bring a few people from your team and you can all hear it from the horse's mouth and you can all bounce these ideas off each other, it just adds that much more to the experience. And just kind of FYI, when we do these, we go to the hotels the hotel people are like, this is the most incredible thing. This is the only event where, when the doors open at seven forty-five in the morning, after we do PT at 7, at four forty-five, come back, shower. When the there's people lined up. Waiting to get in there, yep. and then every you know the the hotel staff will be like everyone's so proactive and nice, and you know no one's rude. It's just like good people. It's awesome because yep. what are people focused on? People are focused on getting after it,
1: winning, and 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 being good. And I'll tell you too, just something I've seen because I don't you don't see this at other events. For those of you listening, Leif and Jocko basically they don't basically eat. All day, every break, so-called Leif and Jocko are sitting there talking to everybody. And and that's something, the feedback that I see consistently is people are like, wow, Leif and Jocko and all the instructors are so accessible. So it's not like the the sessions end and Leif and Jocko disappear back into their green room for a cup of tea. They're out front meeting. So you get a lot of really good interaction. I stopped saying
0: no green room, but there is no green room at the muster. So we're we're there. If you think, if you wanna come hang out, come hang out. That's what we're doing. And of course, right now we have EF Overwatch, and this was cool too to see this at at the Muster. You know, people say, Where can I get leaders that have these principles in their brain? How can I get them to my company? Well, believe me, Leif and I have been getting asked that for years. And so what we did was we created a company with Mike Sorelli, who's another Echelon front guy, another one of our brothers from from TU Bruiser. and, And, you know, he said, Hey, look, He'd, he'd been working with veterans transitioning into the civilian sector, and he said, Hey, let's rock this. And so that's what we did. Great idea from Mike. And so now we've got it. Um, EF Overwatch, whether you're a special operations veteran or aviation, combat aviation veteran. And little news flash coming soon, we are opening it up. We we got another wing of EF Overwatch we're about to bring online, which is going to be for everyone in the military, because we the demand is so high. And look, you are in special operations, great. You got some you you know you've got great leadership experience. You know who else has great leadership experience? A, a infantry platoon commander, right? An infantry platoon sergeant. So we are we started with the community that we know, we know it best but the fact of the matter is, and, and you know this as well as anyone, the the rest of the military, they're great people, they're great leaders, they have great experiences, so we're creating something right now that is gonna open this up so we can plug in our great experienced military people from every branch, from every MOS, from every job specialty, and, and let them apply those leadership skills, that discipline, to the civilian workforce and make the veterans' life better and make America better, make the companies better. It's just a win-win. So we got that rolling out in the next few months, but just a heads up on that one. And if you need more of this conversation because two straight hours of me and Andrew Paul is not enough, then you can find us on the interwebs. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and we are on dein Fruisenbach. <laughs> Andrew is the Andrew Paul and I am at Jocko Willink Andrew you got any closing thoughts
1: get after it every day I love your post you know none of us are promised tomorrow mm-hmm. make as big of an impact you can every single day I've had a lot of time to think about life and particularly recently uh, passing of my grandfather and other friends of ours at the end of the day, we're only here on this earth for a certain amount of time. And I think the biggest legacy that we can leave is how we impact the lives of other people. And that can be at a small level. It doesn't cost anything to say a kind word to somebody, to offer some encouragement, to show an act of kindness, to hold the door. That doesn't cost anything. And I think we can make a huge difference every day in just how we interact with other people in kindness and in getting after it every single day. So that when I meet St. Peter at the pearly gates and I meet my maker, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Check.
0: And it's interesting that that ties right back into this premise that as a leader, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that you can do as a leader is care about your people. Now, We learn from military history and those lessons are, of course, written in blood. Written in blood by the men and women around the globe that have served, that are currently serving, that protect our freedom every day. So thank you to all of them, our police and law enforcement and firefighters and paramedics and EMTs and dispatchers and correctional officers and Border Patrol and Secret Service and all the first responders out there. Same thing, holding the line, thank you all for keeping us protected here at home and to everyone else out there, whether you're in the military or not, whether you're a first responder or not, whether you have a mission or you just have a job, no matter what situation you're in, it all starts when you start when you actually start, when you take decisive action. That's what you need to do. You need to make it happen by getting up every day and getting after it. And until next
1: time, this is Andrew Paul and Jocko. Out.